You can't just do one style of conversation. You want to get involved with all styles of conversation. Arrow.net, A-R-R-O-E.net. We are unplugged and totally uncut with a V-Lobe. I'm doing great, thank you. Before we even get started, I got to ask, do you have any connections to any extraterrestrials that can stop by the planet today so we can all get the hell out of here? <laughs> well, my, uh, I'm, you know, one reason I'm trying to search for intelligence in space is I don't often find it here on Earth. Well, and see, that's being from the big sky country of Montana. I, I, I always dreamed about being up there in space. I wanted to, be, you know, go find the things like you were doing. So I'm so jealous that you get to do this on an everyday basis. Yeah, well, uh, it's part of the science that I'm uh, working on. And uh, I think it's a scientific question as to whether we have a smarter kid on our cosmic block. It's not a philosophical question. We just need to look through our windows. And, you know, Enrico Fermi, 70 years ago, asked, where is everybody? Well, you would never find out if you sit on the sofa and ask this question and say, nobody's knocking on my door. You have to look through the windows and you better use telescopes. And Gladly, there is a profession of scientists doing that. They are called astronomers. And I think the search for equipment that was manufactured by an extraterrestrial technological civilization should be mainstream in astronomy. The reason is simple. We sent out Voyager, New Horizons, uh, other spacecraft, five of them, uh, out of the solar system. Mm -hmm. And uh, just imagine uh, an extraterrestrial civilization finding them a billion years from now. Uh, they would look like uh, space trash, but nevertheless, they would indicate that we existed. And in fact, these are the longest uh surviving monuments of uh humanity because everything here on earth will be burned up by the sun uh, once the sun uh, dies right. uh, it will expand and, and burn everything on earth so you know when i go to harvard university and i see all these uh, monuments these paintings of past presidents and deans and the uh, sculptures and so forth uh, they try to preserve some, their physical appearance in some way but uh, that's not a long-lasting monument the only way to preserve something of us for the long run is to send it into space yeah yeah it's and that's what i love about this book extraterrestrial the first sign of intelligent life beyond earth is that you open up our eyes to you know the, the possibilities of something being out there this is more than a rover on mars you are putting a fingerprint out there for that that has our identity on it right and we do have a rover on mars it's called perseverance yes sir and the, it's a, a robot that is operated by engineers in jet, in the jet uh, propulsion lab in uh, Pasadena and um, and you know we we tend to think that if it finds uh, microbes on the surface of Mars that that would be really cute uh, because uh, they would finding such a thing would never uh, risk our self-esteem you know we're still much more intelligent than any microbe uh, but imagine the Perseverance rover bumping into the wreckage of a spaceship uh, with oh, a technology that is far more advanced than, than we possess. Uh, that would damage our ego and uh, change our perspective about our place in the universe. And um, the way I think of it is most likely the first encounter we have will not be with biological creatures, the way uh, science fiction stories mm -hmm. portray it. Uh, it's most likely to be with artificial intelligence astronauts, AI astronauts, because AI systems are currently 
on uh, the path of driving cars and in the future we may send them to space and the advantage is you don't need to give instructions and uh, across uh, the distances the vast distance between stars uh, there is no way to give instructions in real time the way we do with perseverance you need an autonomous system and an ai system that learns from experience is the best solution you can't send people because uh, they would not survive the journey uh, it's a very long journey and the space is very hazardous there are energetic particles out there so we cannot really last for a long time and so uh, you know when you look at the star trek that's not very realistic i never liked science fiction because it violates the laws of physics right. very often I'm so glad that you brought that up about the AI because I was recently with an astronaut and I said that Captain Kirk will be an AI and he he was kind of disappointed with my point of direction because he says we're trying to get up into space and if we're going to send only AIs we're, we're not we're not doing what we were designed to do but no I, I I'm so with you on the AI yeah no I'm very proud of our technological kids as proud as I am about my biological uh, daughters uh, because uh, you know, as long as they can perform better than I am, that than I can, then uh, I'm happy about it. Why should we be? Uh, um, why should we believe that biology is the pinnacle of creation? In fact, we can uh, create those AI systems in our image, and uh, they would be able to perform much better than our biological kids, than humans can. And I have no problem with that as uh, the future of space exploration being led by AI systems that can survive long journeys and do a better job than humans. Why should we, be, why should we have a problem with that? And uh, they can go places, they can reconstruct what we are proud of here on Earth uh, with, if they have 3D printing capabilities. Uh, and I see that as the future. And since we can imagine it to be our future, uh, someone else might have done it already. A billion years ago, you know, Albert Einstein is probably not the smartest scientist that ever lived since the Big Bang. I'm sorry to break the news uh, <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, most stars formed billions of years before the sun. And there could have been a smarter scientist on another planet around the star that uh, was born uh, 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 much before the sun. And, and that happened a billion years ago. So. Uh, if if there was a, a civilization that benefited from the wisdom of that scientist, they could have sent uh, equipment and, and probes into interstellar space a billion years ago. And by now, that equipment would have reached everywhere in the Milky Way galaxy, because even with chemical propulsion, we can uh, cross the Milky Way galaxy many times over in a billion years. So. So the question is, do we live in such a reality? This, this is very possible simply because we know that half of the sun-like stars have a planet the size of the Earth, roughly at the same separation. So the dice was thrown many times over. And the question is, uh, is there equipment, uh, AI astronauts uh, around us? And uh, the only way to find out is by looking through our telescopes. Uh, not by arguing about it philosophically. You know, that's what Galileo Galilei said four centuries ago to the philosophers. He said, look through my telescope and you would realize that the earth is not at the center of the universe. In fact, the earth moves around the sun. And they said, no, 
We know that it's the other way around. We know that the sun moves around the earth. We don't want to look through your telescopes. And by the way, you are under house arrest. We don't want other people to listen to you. Uh, And today they would have canceled him on social media and he wouldn't get many likes on Twitter. But that would not change the fact that the earth moves around the sun. Mm -hmm. And if we don't look through our windows, you know, it would not get rid of our neighbors. Hmm. The telescope that's replacing Hubble, will it be uh, in search of, of uh, you know, extraterrestrials up there? Uh, that's the James Webb Space Telescope. And yep. um, uh, in fact, um, uh, half a year ago, I wrote uh, a paper with an undergraduate student from Stanford uh, uh, where uh, we suggested that uh, the James Webb uh, telescope would be able to um, uh, detect city lights on the habitable habitable planet that is closest to us around Proxima Centauri, uh, because that planet is so close to the star that it has a permanent day side and a permanent night side. It's wow. tidally locked. And uh, if you have a civilization there, they might want to put photovoltaic cells on the day side and um, transfer the electricity to the night side such that they can illuminate the night side and warm it up. Uh, and uh, if the, there is something of that source, if there are city lights on the night side of Proxima Centauri B, uh, then in principle, the James Webb Space Telescope can uh, look for them and 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 find them. And uh, another suggestion that I made seven years ago was that it could potentially search for industrial pollution in the atmospheres of other planets. Uh, and finally, uh, it could also uh, look at an object like Oumuamua, the next Oumuamua that we we uh, witness, that doesn't look like a rock, doesn't look like an asteroid or or, or a comet, but uh, it came from outside the solar system and perhaps get much better data than we have on Oumuamua, simply because uh, that this telescope, the Webb telescope, is so much better mm-hmm. than any telescope we've used before. Wow. Let's talk about 2017. What was seen and and was there any way to measure the age of it and where it came from? Right. So um, uh, the object was anomalous. Uh, It was the first object that we discovered close to Earth from outside the solar system, moved too fast to be bound to the sun. And uh, at first, uh, astronomers thought it must be a comet uh, because comets are icy rocks uh, that Uh, populate the outskirts of the solar system. And when a star passes by, it can easily dislodge them into interstellar space. The only problem is there was no cometary evaporation, no cometary tail around this object. And in fact, the Spitzer Space Telescope looked very deeply around it and couldn't see any traces of uh, carbon-based molecules. So it was clearly not a a comet of a type that we had seen before. Uh, And then uh, as it was tumbling every eight hours, the amount of sunlight reflected from it changed by a factor of 10. And that meant that it has a very extreme shape most likely flat shape, pancake-like, mm. uh, based on the variation of reflected light. And then the object exhibited an excess push away from the sun by a force that could not be related to cometary evaporation, because we haven't seen that. Uh, it was not the rocket effect that is pushing it. The question is, what was pushing it? And the only thing I could think of was the reflection of sunlight. And um, that meant that the object is very thin. And in September 2020, there was another object discovered. It was given the name 2020 SO, and it also exhibited an excess push away from the sun 
with no cometary tail. And then a few weeks later, it was realized that it's actually a rocket booster that NASA launched in 1966 as part of a lunar lander mission. And it had thin walls. That's why it had a large area for its mass. So it could be pushed by reflecting sunlight. Uh, And uh, we know that it's artificial because we produced it. The question is, who produced Oumuamua? this object from 2017. Wow. You know, when, when you have situations like that, it, it makes you want to look up into space even more. But more importantly, when they get into your book, Extraterrestrial, it, it really, it opens up the idea of there is not what if, but it there is. And, and I love that feeling because it, it, it teaches you to become an explorer yourself. Right. I think science uh, is really the biggest treasure we have in the sense that it, Uh, uh, educates us to be modest. Uh, We should not assume that we know the answer in advance. That was the message of Galileo Galilei to the philosophers at the time. And uh, I I would have thought that by now everyone would know that uh, this is the right approach. But even within the scientific community, it's not uh, obvious to a lot of scientists. Uh, You know, for example, there is a a very popular idea among theoretical physicists called string theory. And there is no hope in the foreseeable future that it will ever be tested experimentally. And uh, it's not a nuance. Uh, uh, Learning from evidence is not a nuance of science. It's actually the foundation of science. That's what Galileo said to the philosophers. Look through my telescope and your knowledge will change. Uh, And the point is that you can pursue string theory without worrying about trying to test it, but then you might spend your entire life on an idea that will turn out to be, I would say, a Ponzi scheme. Because, uh, you know, what... what, uh, a Ponzi scheme is all about what um, Bernie Madoff was telling yeah. people uh, is give me your money and I will return more back to you irrespective of what the stock market does. That was a beautiful idea uh, until it was put to the test and to the experiment where people asked him for their money back. And then it was clear that it's not a description of reality. Now, humans have this tendency of believing in virtual realities um, that uh, allow them to uh, feel better about themselves, that bring them pleasure, you know. And if string theory brings pleasure to some mathematicians, so be it. But it may not be a description of reality. That's my point. And the only way to find out is to collect evidence through experiments. And uh, so that that applies also to this subject, whether we are uh, the smartest kid on the block or not will be Uh, dictated by the evidence we find. And of course, you can say there is no extraordinary evidence so far. The point is extraordinary evidence requires extraordinary funding. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's a circular argument if you don't fund fund the search. We would never find gravitational waves if the National Science Foundation would not allocate $1.1 billion to the experiment the LIGO experiment and uh, you know we are we don't really know the nature of dark matter most of the matter in the universe is of a nature that we don't quite know and there were uh, billions of dollars uh, allocated to the search for dark matter over the past 40 years Uh, we haven't found it yet but that's the way science is done you you do experiments you try to figure it out and therefore by the same token to figure out whether there are we have neighbors and whether they are smarter than we are we should search for them we should search for equipment 
near Earth. Um, you know, 70 years ago, Enrico Fermi had lunch at Los Alamos with colleagues, and he said, well, if it's so likely that there are other intelligent civilizations out there, where is everybody? Right. <laughs> and of course, uh, this uh, this is a very presumptuous question of the type that the fishermen would ask, you know, sitting on the beach, looking at the ocean and saying, where are all the fish? I don't see anything. Well, if you don't use a fishing net, you will never find any fish. And uh, if you are sitting at home and you say, nobody is knocking on my door, therefore I don't have neighbors, that's not a scientific approach. (laughs) The right approach is to look through your windows and you better use telescopes. You've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. I could talk to you all day, sir. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'll be glad to do it again, especially if we find something that is of uh, uh, undisputable nature. Absolutely. Is the, the website is, and, and first of all, I want listeners to go to get the book because the book is going to open the heart. And, and, and then I want them to go to your website because that's where things are really going to churn inside their imaginations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I write the uh, commentaries every few days and um, um, they might find it interesting in addition to my book, Extraterrestrial. And, and I have a lot of interviews. Uh, um, so over the past year, I had about 2000 of them. Uh, and uh, I really feel that the public and the government now are curious, are um, and genuinely interested in finding the answer to this this question. And uh, my task is to bring the subject to the mainstream of science as well. Oh, I love it so much. You have yourself a brilliant day today, okay, Professor? Thanks for hosting me.